The purpose of the First Christian Church of Griffith is to love God, love others, spread the gospel. James Dobson shares the following story from a book he co-wrote with Gary Bauer called Children at Risk. One of the most tragic events during the Reagan presidency was the early Sunday morning terrorist bombing of the Marine barracks uh, in Beirut, in Beirut, which uh, hundreds of Americans were killed or wounded as they slept. Many of us can still recall the terrible scenes as the dazed survivors worked to dig out their trapped brothers from beneath the rubble. Uh, this is what he, they wrote. I says, a few days after the tragedy, I recall coming across an extraordinary story. Uh, Marine Corps Commandant uh, Paul X. Kelly visited some of the wounded survivors then in a Frankfurt, Germany hospital. Among them was Corporal Jeffrey Lee Nashton, severely wounded in the incident. Nashton had so many tubes coming out of him uh, that a witness said he looked more like a machine than a man. Yet he survived. Uh, as uh, this... Uh, man named uh, Paul Kelly approached him. Uh, he struggled to move, and racked with pain, he motioned for a piece of paper and a pen. And he wrote a brief note and passed it back to, to Kelly. And, and on it, this is what he wrote. He wrote, Semper Fi, which is the Latin motto of the Marines, meaning always faithful, forever faithful. It's all about faithfulness. This morning, we're going to continue our study uh, based on Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. It's known as the fruit of the Spirit. We're talking about bearing fruit and how the Holy Spirit works to bring about different qualities and characteristics in our lives that make us more like Jesus. Uh, we have already looked at seven of the nine qualities that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives. And this morning, we're going to look at one more. Today, we're going to look at the quality of faithfulness. There are many ways that one could interpret faithfulness. Uh, there is being faithful to one's spouse, which is a good thing. Uh, you can be faithful to your family, again, a very good thing. Uh, you can be faithful to your church, which I think is a good thing. Uh, you can be a hard worker, and you can be faithful to your employer, kind of like a, a certain quarterback who wore number four for the Green Bay Packers who retired this week after 17 years in the National Football I know you Bears fans are thrilled, uh, but uh, yeah, I'll miss. But what I think about what what I think Paul's getting at uh, is uh, when he talks about faithfulness as a quality that the Holy Spirit develops in our lives. Uh, it's faithfulness to God, living lives of faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning we're going to do two things. First, we're going to see how God is faithful to us because I believe that our faithfulness to God is a, a response to his faithfulness to us. He doesn't just call us to be faithful and he doesn't just demand that we be faithful. God is forever faithful to his people. We sing a song forever. And uh, in the song we say, forever God is faithful, uh, forever God is strong, and, and forever God is faithful. Uh, we're going to look at several scripture passages that talk about the faithfulness of God. Then we're going to look at a parable that Jesus told in the book of Matthew, and we'll talk about how we can be faithful to God. So let's begin by looking at God's faithfulness. God is faithful. Now, what is he faithful to do? Let's look at some scripture and see. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. 
God is faithful to protect us from temptation. And uh, temptation that we cannot handle, he takes care of it. He will provide a way out of temptation so that we will not fall. Uh, But let's face it, we do fall. Sometimes temptation comes calling, sometimes temptation comes along, and God provides a way out. You know, it's over here going, woohoo, yellow, yellow, uh, come over here, and you'll get out of the temptation. And the temptation is so strong that we're like, um, nah. <laughs> and we fall into sin, and we fall short, we sin, we do what we're not supposed to do, or we, do, or we don't do what we are supposed to do. We fall short, and we sin. We do not always call on God to rescue us from the temptation. You know, we think, oh, it just—it feels so good to give in. And we don't think about the consequences. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God is faithful to forgive us our sins, as Scripture has promised, if we'll confess them to him. If we will be honest about our sins, if we will be honest about our sinful condition, if we'll be honest the fact that we do fall short, if we'll be honest about the fact that we fall into sin, God says that he is faithful and he is just and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 1 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 3 says, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. This passage goes along with 1 Corinthians 10. Uh, God is faithful to protect us from the evil one. And that's good news. That's good to hear. Uh, Because... You know, I go through days when I feel like the evil one is attacking me. I feel like I'm being attacked on every side, that the devil and his minions are just ganging up on me, and like, oh, we're going to get Sean today. And, and, and I know from Scripture that God is faithful, and that he's with me, and that he's protecting me. You know, I don't think, <laughs> I know that there's no way that I can stand up to the attacks of the evil one. When he comes calling, when he comes full force, teeth bared, you know, arrows and everything, I can't stand on my own. God is faithful to protect us from the evil one. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God who has called you into fellowship with his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. We can take great comfort in knowing that God is faithful. We can depend on him 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, or in the case of 2008, 366. He doesn't even take the leap year off. You know, I was trying to think. Um, Anybody here have have a February 29th birthday? This is total, total off track, and I I apologize. But if if your birthday is February 29th, when do you celebrate your birthday? Is it February 28th or March 1st? It doesn't really matter, and I, it's just something that popped into my head. And so, um, but Scripture is true, and God is faithful. And that does count. That is important. That is something that we really do need to know: is that God is faithful. Hebrews ten twenty three says, "Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for He who promised is faithful." God is faithful to keep His promises, and when He promises, 
When he says, Jesus Christ will return one day to take you home to be with me, when he says Jesus Christ is coming back again, when he says that uh, I have a place prepared for you, that I'm going to take you to be with me, that you'll be where I am, that is true. We can believe that promise. The one who made the promise is faithful. The one who made the promise will keep that promise. Finally, 2 Timothy 2, 11-13 says, Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. I want to repeat just one part of that verse. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful. Any of you ever feel faithless? From time to time, maybe all the time, feel faithless? It's a bad feeling. It's a tough feeling. It's hard. I feel like that I'm letting God down. That my own doubts and fears and anxieties and difficulties and and the trials and temptations come calling and I feel like I'm letting God down and I feel so faithless. And yet here's God in 2 Timothy 11 through 13 says, Sean, even when you're faithless, I will remain faithful. That's an awesome promise. That is a wonderful, wonderful promise. Even if we are faithless, God will still be faithful. His character is faithfulness, and he cannot and will not change his character. I've talked before about he doesn't change the rules halfway through the game. He doesn't change the rules halfway through the game. He says, you know what? This is me. This is who I am. I am faithful. No matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter what you say, no matter what you think, no matter the doubts you have, no matter the sins you commit, I will still be faithful. God is faithful, even when we are faithless. How many of you could look back over the last year and say that at some point, yeah, I was pretty faithless. You know, I'm not any different. There are times that I can look back on over the last year, over the last week, where I haven't been a very faithful follower of Christ. And you may be thinking to yourself, Sean, aren't you a minister? (laughs) Aren't you supposed to have this all figured out by now? Isn't there like some magical day in Bible college when they kind of like sprinkle you with fairy dust and, you know, and it just makes everything perfect in your life? It just transforms you into super Christian? (laughs) I'm human. Just like every single one of us in this room, I am human and I fall short. I doubt, I question. When the storms of life come along, I have bad days. I have bad hair days. Hard to believe, I know. I'm just thankful to still have it all because it's, it's going away. I've, I've seen pictures of myself in high school and I look and I go, oh no. You know, I, uh, I have a good friend who has struggled with her health back in Minnesota, for years, years and years. Turns out she had Lyme disease. And she had it for years and years. And her body has just shriveled up. But they couldn't diagnose it. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with her for years. And I watched her struggle in pain. And I watched her get weaker and weaker and weaker. And I listened to her pray and I prayed with her that God would show the doctors what was wrong. And they couldn't figure it out. That God would heal her. 
that God would cure her, that God would take it away. I watched her go from doctor to doctor and get no answers or relief, and I wondered, I would question, I would doubt, God, why? Why, why are we not getting an answer here? You know, there are times when I look at, at our church and I question, why won't God bless the church the way I think he should? You know, we teach and preach the Bible. Why isn't God bringing people here who are seeking the truth? I'm a real person, and I have real struggles. Yet through it all, I have the promise of Scripture. I know that God is faithful even when I am faithless. I know that if God is for me, and none can be against me, you know, I think about the words to a song. And it's a song called, My Redeemer is Faithful and True.
Jesus Christ is faithful and true. Amen? He faithfully went to the cross for each and every one of us so that our sins could be forgiven. He prayed in the garden, not my will, but yours be done. They led him up the hill of the skull and they crucified him there. He bled and he died. And three days later, he rose from the dead, just like he said he would. He is faithful and true. You can trust him, you can depend on him, and he'll never let you down. If you've got a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. I told you there were two parts to the sermon. We're going to talk about God's faithfulness. Now we're going to talk about our faithfulness. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I gather where I have not sown and gather where I, where I, you harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the 10 talents for everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus was talking about the second coming when he told this parable to his disciples. Uh, in the first part of chapter 25, he tells a parable about ten virgins and their lamps as they waited for the bridegroom to come and fetch the bride for their wedding. Then he told them the parable of the talents. And finally, he told them the parable of the sheep and the goats. He was talking about the judgment that would come when he returned. All three of these stories have to do with faithfulness. The virgins needed to be faithful in how they used their oil. The servants had to be faithful with, with that which was given them by their master. The sheep who were the followers of Christ who faithfully were I'm sorry, the sheep were the followers of Christ who faithfully carried out his mission on earth, while the goats were those who were not faithful in carrying out Christ's mission. It's all about faithfulness. It's all about sticking with it to the very end. It's about working hard for the kingdom and keeping the proper perspectives in regard to the kingdom matters. Charles Spurgeon was a preacher who preached to thousands in London each Lord's Day. Yet he started out his ministry by passing out tracts and teaching a Sunday school class as a teenager. 
When he began to give short addresses after Sunday, to the Sunday school, God blessed his ministry of the word. He was invited to preach in obscure places in the countryside, and he used every opportunity to honor the Lord. He was faithful in the small things, and God trusted him with the greater things. I am perfectly sure, he said, that if I had not been willing to preach to those small gatherings of people in obscure country places, I should never have had the privilege of preaching to thousands of men and women in large buildings all over the land. We are all servants of the Master, every single one of us. We are all servants of God. We are all servants of Christ. He has entrusted us with something very, very valuable. He has entrusted us with his kingdom. He has given us talents, resources, abilities, money, families, and friends. And he is going to hold us accountable for how we use the things that he has given us. How faithful are we being with the resources God has given us? Are we investing our time and our money back into the kingdom? Are we kingdom-minded about our friends and family members? Are we devoting ourselves to building the kingdom of heaven as Christ has commanded us to? We are going to be judged and held accountable for how we uh, use the blessings that God has given us in our lives. It's not a maybe. Okay? It's not a, well, you might be held accountable. It's not a Sean might be held accountable. It's a will be judged, will be held accountable. Every single one of us. Are we being faithful with God's blessings? The servant who is faithful to the kingdom and to the cause of Christ will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Those who are not faithful will be declared lazy and wicked and will be thrown into the darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what kind of servants are we? Are we faithful or are we faithless? That's the question. Clarence Jordan was a man of unusual abilities and commitment. He had two PhDs one in agriculture and one in Greek and Hebrew. So gifted was he that he could have chosen to do anything he wanted. He wanted to serve the poor. In the 1940s, he founded a farm in America's Georgia and called it Koinonia Farm. You can see the website right there, koinoniapartners.org. It's still in existence today. It was a community for poor whites and poor blacks. As you might guess, such an idea did not go over well in the deep south in the 1940s. Ironically, much of the resistance came from good church people who followed the laws of segregation as much as any of the other folks in the town. The town people tried everything to stop Clarence. They tried boycotting him and slashing workers' tires when they came to town. Over and over, for 14 years, they tried to stop him. Finally, in 1954, the Ku Klux Klan had enough of Clarence Jordan, so they decided to get rid of him once and for all. They came one night with guns and torches and set fire to every building on Koinonia Farm except for Clarence's home, which they riddled with bullets. And they chased off all the families except one black family which refused to leave. Clarence recognized the voices of many of the Klansmen, and as you might guess, some of them were church people. Another was the local newspaper reporter. The next day, that reporter came out to see what remained of the farm. The rubble still smoldered, and the land was scorched, but he found Clarence in the field, hoeing and planting. I heard the awful news, he called to Clarence, and I came out to do a story on the tragedy of your farm closing. Clarence just kept hoeing and planting. 
The reporter kept prodding, kept poking, trying to get a rise from this quietly determined man who seemed to be planting instead of packing his bags. So finally, this reporter said in a haughty voice, Well, Dr. Jordan, you got two of them PhDs, and you put 14 years into this farm, and there's nothing left of it at all. Just how successful do you think you've been? Clarence stopped hoeing, turned toward the reporter with his penetrating blue eyes, and said quietly but firmly, About as successful as the cross. Sir, I don't think you understand us. What we are about is not success but faithfulness. We're staying. Good day. Beginning that day, Clarence and his companions rebuilt Koinonia, and the farm is still going strong today. Like I said, you can check out the website, koinoniapartners.org. And one of the interesting things about the farm that you may not know, as Paul Harvey says the rest of the story, is that it was the birthplace of Habitat for Humanity. So what are you doing with your life. (laughs) What am I doing with my life? Are we being faithful to the Lord? We know that he is faithful to us. So how do we respond? Will we be faithful? The Holy Spirit works in the lives of those who follow Jesus Christ to make us more like Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Jesus was faithful to the very end of his life. Even on the cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them. Faithful to that, that mercy and grace mission that he was on. Will you allow the Spirit of God to work in your life in such a way as to make you more faithful to him? Think about it. It's a scary proposition. To be faithful to Jesus can be a scary thing. Because you don't know. Right there where you're sitting right now, you don't know what he may be calling you to. If you will surrender your life in faithfulness to God, he may have you do something that right now you can't even imagine, that you couldn't even fathom. You might share your faith with a neighbor. You might volunteer at a homeless shelter. You might serve here on a ministry team or teach kids in our children's ministry or lead a Bible study. You might quit your job to go to Bible college to become a minister. You might leave the country to be a missionary in a foreign place. And you might, you might just have the time of your life while doing it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your faithfulness, for being so faithful to us, even when we are faithless. Father God, we trust in you, for your promises are true, and they are sure. And we know that you are good and your love endures forever. I pray today that you would help us to be faithful to you in everything that we do, that you would give us strength to overcome temptation, that you would give us strength to stand up for what is right, that you would give us strength to be faithful even when we are attacked by the enemy. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Be with us the rest of this hour as we worship and praise you. In Christ's name. Amen. Every Sunday we offer an invitation. That invitation may be for you today.